podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello everyone. With the cricket season less than a month away, on today's podcast, I'm joined by the Nottinghamshire captain Steve Mullaney to chat about his career and his hopes for the new season. Thanks for joining me on the show, Steve. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, what, what's the captain of Nottinghamshire been doing since the end of the 2021 season? Yeah, uh, a few different things. So obviously October's our downtime. So I had a bit of uh, obviously time off, ticking over fitness-wise. Um, and then we were back in November uh, to our physical programme where you know, everyone's individual. So a lot of lads are, are doing certain things. So for instance, I don't bat before Christmas. Um, and then I got called up to play in the, the US Open T20 competition in, in Fort Lauderdale in Miami. Uh, so I had a couple of bats before that, went out there and then came back from there on about the 16th of December. I had Christmas at home with the family and then we went to Dubai on holiday for, for 10 nights with some friends and family, which was quite good. Obviously nice, relax. And then back into it, January, uh, we had a, another five-week block up to the February half term, which then we had a week off. And then we've been, since the 21st of Feb, we've been in the, we have a tent over at Lady Bay, our second team ground. So we've managed to get on grass for the last three or four weeks, which has been has been brilliant and great preparation. Credit to the groundsman who have, um, Guy and his men at, at Lady Bay, who have got all the wickets, absolutely brilliant. So we've had some great prep. And now um, another week or so, we've got a night away next week in Lake District as a squad a bit of team building and then the week after we start so looking forward to it uh, Has um, pre-season ch- training changed a lot since you first started? Absolutely it has yeah um, a lot more obviously has, has gone into the science and, and sports and medicine team obviously with research through you know weights cardio sprints um, yeah so it's changed a long way it's a lot more specific to, to your job and, and everyone's programmes individual which is which is obviously brilliant. And we're very lucky that we have quite a lot of input in our programme. So um, I think the SNC that we've got is excellent. And the physio, that obviously they get you to do the stuff that they know that they need you to do. But with your input to make, for instance, an exercise that you find more enjoyable or less painful than another. Well, it's good to think you have some involvement yourself. It's not just someone telling you what to do. Absolutely. I think it's important. I think that, um, you know, we had a, a couple of winters ago before COVID hit, we had a big meeting about, um, you know, player autonomy, uh, which went down really well. And, you know, if you take someone like Luke Fletcher, for instance, he would do his own stuff with, you know, not, not necessarily without the, the SNC. I just mean he would get the programme and then he would do it on his own definitely before Christmas because that suits him and his family's, you know, he's got two kids. So, and, and the bottom line is that we trust everyone to do it whether they do it as a team or whether they do it on their own. And, and nobody gets upset about that. Everyone's entitled to do uh, things on their own and, and in their own time. But also, we have a big thing that nothing comes above the team. So as long as it fits in with that, then everyone's fine. Well, this morning on the podcast, I'd like to talk to you about your cricketing career. And just to start with, how did you get in, first get into cricket? Yeah, well, very simply. My dad played at a local club um, called Goldburn which is a small town near Wigan um, in the Bolton Association. It was at the time. And and I just went down with him. I was a bit of a badger, asked a million questions to everyone, just loved the game. Uh, and then I ended up playing, actually. They were short. The under-13s were short at, 
at a club called Bolton Indians. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was only six. Uh, and I actually got two because I remember I got stumped, I got stumped in and I think I got a caught. Um, yeah, so that was my first memory of cricket and that's how I got into it. And then progressed, played at Goldburn till I was about 13 and then I moved over to Lee, which was my club for, for quite a while. Ended up captaining them at 18. Uh, Love my time there, still in contact with people there. My, one of my best mates in cricket, Carl Brown, who played at Lancashire, is, is now captain there and lives back to back with the club. So I always, always keep in touch and if anybody... Um, you know, especially overseas players getting touch were up in, in Melbourne. Uh, I always give them first refusal and, and speak to them and see if they'd be interested. So that was that was my journey into cricket and then obviously progressed. Um, I mean, not uh, many uh, people start at six. <laughs> no, maybe not, no. Um, obviously, I think the rules have changed now with hardball and, and softball and, and limited overs and stuff. But then, yeah, I ended up making the move to Knox in the end of 2009, uh, start of the 2010 season. And then, obviously, at the time, it was, a I wouldn't say a risk, but it was something that, you know, not many people from Lancashire have done, have, have left their own county and, and yeah, gone on to... I was going to ask you that. Um, so you uh, made your debut for Lancashire Second Eleven in 2004 and then the First Eleven in 2006. I mean, a lot of people have probably now forgotten you ever played for Lancashire. Why did you make that move? It's very, very plain and simple. It was just for opportunity. I, I had a meeting with, at the time, funnily enough, Peter Moores was head coach at Lancashire and Mike Watkinson was the director of cricket. Uh, they knew I had a, an approach from Knox. Um, so they had a thing then, I think it's changed now, where you have a 28-day period where you can put a letter in and say, we want to speak to this player for after 28 days. And within that 28 days, then, at the time, Lancashire have an opportunity to offer you a contract and speak to you. Um, and I just, I, I really, you know, really valued and, and really was excited about what Mick said to me. I met him at a service station on the M6. I remember that like it was yesterday as well. And he said, look, we're trying to promote um, and change the way we go about our white ball cricket. You'll play in the 50 over competition or 40 over competition. It was at the time, I think. And, and you'll play in the 2020 and then whatever happens, if you do okay, we'll try, we'll see what happens in four-day cricket. But initially, it was a white ball sort of focus. Um, and I, I said, I was very honest with Mosey and Mike Watkinson. And I just said, look, this is, if you can guarantee me some game time, then obviously it's my home county. I want to play for Lancashire at the time. Uh, I will stay. But they couldn't guarantee me that, which is absolutely fine. They signed Stephen Moore. They had some very good players at the time. Um I think it helped. I had a decent, I had a pretty good season in the second team at Lancashire, so my, my stock was a little bit higher. Yeah, and then I was lucky enough to get an opportunity as a full seamer actually at Hampshire that Andre Adams went down. He, he was doing some drills in the nets, and I remember he went to do a pull shot and twisted his knee. So I ended up playing, and I got 100 in that game. And then, yeah, it was obviously a, a move that proved dividend. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. I mean, I, you, you made your debut against um, uh, Hampshire in. May 2010, batting at number eight, and and you started with a with a hundred not out, Brad Bradmanesque really on your first match. I won't go that far. Um, <laughs> and you talk about you know sliding doors moments, or you know moments that change your career if you like, or your at that particular time. I think that's when you know because I came and had nothing behind me. Played a couple of one day games for Lancashire. I think I played one four day game here at Trent Bridge actually. Um, no substance really. And I, I, looking back now, I would, I would be very surprised if some people said, "I'm not sure why we're signing this lad." 
and and that would be very much warranted. And I think I had a decent preseason. I got I think I got fifty against Leicester in a preseason game here, uh, and I knew I was ready to play, and I had the belief that I could play. It was just waiting for that opportunity. And then I think after that innings, I remember England were actually at the 2010 T20 World Cup, and I remember getting a text off Graham Swan, Ryan Sidebottom, and Stuart Broad. And I think that's when you realise, look, I can compete at this level, but not only compete, I can help. And looking back, it was helping the team win the trophy, which is the best feeling in the world. Um, I can help this team move forward in all formats of the game. Uh, and I think as well, people sort of think, well, this lad can play a little bit and he's probably going to be, you know, hopefully a decent player for a decent amount of time. Well, going back, you had played for England under-19s in two test matches and in the under-19 World Cup. So you're doing yourself down a bit. And uh, on that day against Hampshire, you were... They had a, a decent bowling attack with uh, Dominic Cork, Kabir Ali and the uh, Sri Lankan uh, Hirath was bowling. Yeah, again, obviously international cricket. I think David Griffiths played that game as well. I played on the 19s with actually um, and he bowled very fast. Sean Irvine played that game as well. Um, I don't know. I've, I've always somehow touched wood, seemed to do OK against Hampshire. Um, I think I've got four or five of my first class hundreds against, I think four. Against them, and it's a it's a ground I like. I love playing at um, the Aegeus Ball. It's a lovely place to play cricket, and obviously, when you do well somewhere, you don't mind going back. So, um, yeah, it was. A, I think it was a game where I think that was our th- fourth game of the year, and we were three from three. So it was important that we we kept up that momentum. Um, yeah, and I remember I was I was seventy eight not out overnight, and I was back with Paul Franks. Um, and I think I can't remember what I said on the way off, but he just said, "Look, you just need to focus on twenty two runs tomorrow. Don't think about anything else. Get your first first class hundred for the club um, and I ended up I remember we were nine down and I, I was on night six and I ran down to Herath actually and he, Nick Pothas missed stumping um, so when people say things sometimes are meant to be I'm, I'm pretty confident that on that day I was meant to get 100 for some reason Well by 2013 you were then opening the batting and scoring a, a century against Surrey why the move up the order uh, to, to opening the batting? Well, it was really simple, actually. We, for the first half of that season, we had Ed Cohen, who was left-handed opening bat for Australia, and he was in the Ashes squad. Um, and I, I, did, I didn't actually start that season, so I didn't get picked for the first two games. I went to Australia, played with Dandy Nong, and my game really came on. I, um, you know, after, a, after 2010, when I did well, I then got hit in the jaw in 2011. I had a, 2011 and 12 weren't great seasons for me. And then 2000, I, I thought I'd make the move. Me and my, my wife... And my fiance was then, and, and first daughter were in Australia. And, you know, I, I needed to get away. I just needed to be on my own and, and focus on myself and, and enjoy it. Um, because it, I think at that stage, you can go one or two ways. You can be a one season wonder or, and then sort of fade out, get released. And a couple of years later, I didn't want that. I'm, I'm too proud of a person to do that. Um, and, yeah, so I, I didn't. I went on preseason tour. I got some. I got hundred actually against Derby on a preseason tour, and I knew I was playing well. But I also knew that the lads were going to get first refusal because they did well the year before. And I remember the third game here, we played Durham, and Ricky Vessels was ill on the morning of the game, and I got a chance at number six, and I got eighty first innings and, and twenty odd second innings, and then did okay. I got a few fifties running in, and then I knew Ed Cowan was leaving, and I, remember, I think we played a one day game in Truro against um, Holland. And we'd already signed Dave Hussey to come in, who was obviously going to bat five, four or five. So there was only space at the top of the order. And I knew it was kind of coming. And Ed Cowan had spoke to me a little bit. He said, look, I think you've got a decent technique. I think you could do all right. And I'm 
pretty much, if, if people who know me know that I would, I, I'm not really bothered where I bat, I bat one to 11. It doesn't fuss me whatsoever. I would try my best wherever I go. And then I went out for dinner and right, it was coincidentally that Reed, I was sat next to Chris Reed at dinner. And he just said to me, he said, look, we're thinking this, what's, what's your thoughts? Do you fancy cracking it? I was like, yeah, absolutely fine. So first game, um, I realised now how much I didn't play as an opening batter after doing it for a few, few years. I was still playing as I was batting five and six and there was no gold on the ball. Uh, so the first game I opened was actually Sussex at, at Trent Bridge and I got 30 and then Chris Jordan actually caught me, caught on ball, diving one-hander, which was a great catch. I think it still goes around now on the uh, on the highlights. Uh, and then, yes, we played uh, the week after at the Oval and it was a beautiful wicket. I think that Tremlett, um, Dernbach, Xander De Bruyne, um, Gareth Batty and actually Ricky Ponting played. And that's one of my, well, two players, both against Surrey actually. One, I got 100 that game and Ricky Ponting came up to me and shook my hand and said, well played. And then I got one in 2000 and I think it might have been 16 against Surrey. Sangakara did exactly the same. So two greats of the game to come up and say, well played. You know, it's, it's a real boost for you individually. So yeah, it's something opening the batting is something that, you know, I enjoyed. I'm not bothered if I do it ever again. I'm not bothered if I do do it or don't do it. It is, you know, I'm, I'm very relaxed, but I'm very confident that Ben Slater and Hasiba Mead are much better at it than me, and I'll try and stay at number six and and hopefully get a few down the order. You probably batted nearly every number now, I think, at Knotts. Uh, well, in 2017, Knotts won two trophies, the Royal London Club and the Vitality Blast. And then in 2018, you took over from Chris Reed as skipper. That must have been a, he must have been a hard act to follow. And, and how do you, how do you view captaincy? Absolutely um, hard to follow. I think he's done. He did a great job for ten seasons, and someone that I learned a lot of. I, I was very lucky that for three or four years, maybe more than that, five or six years. I stood next to him at second slip, so I kind of got, um, I kind of got the you know the ins and outs of, and asking questions about how why he's doing this and why he's doing that. And captaincy and leadership is something that I've always been really, really uh, fond of doing and getting involved in. Not because I like power, but or authority but because I like trying to make a difference and I like giving people opportunities uh, and I feel that I'm, I'm doing that and, I, you know, some people might say different. But um, I think I've learned a lot. I think looking back now, and I'm not saying I get everything right now, but I got a lot of things wrong early on in my captaincy career, the, the language I use to people or, you know, and it wasn't, I wasn't being nasty or anything. It's just now looking back, I think, well, I, should have, I could have said that differently and it might have got a different outcome, but... Very different characters. He's very much introverted and I'm very massive extrovert. Uh, we do things very differently, but I'd like to think that both of them can work. So as a captain, you feel as though you've learned a lot over the years and you say you're still captain of Knotts again this season. Yeah, I'm st- and I'm still learning. I would never, I don't think you'll ever stop learning in a leadership role or um, just being a good person, really. I don't think you ever stop learning. I'm, I'm very, very lucky that, you know, I, I've got a guy who... Um, I speak to who's an ex, you know, completely out of cricket, an ex SAS soldier who I work with on on sort of leadership and strategies. Um, so a lot of things go on behind the scenes that people don't see. I'm very lucky to have Peter Moores as, as head coach, and we're very good friends. So we speak, you know, from now probably three or four times in a day sometimes. Um, you know, but always learning, always kept on your toes, always trying to be better, I suppose, and and trying. You know, it's a bit of a cliche, but just leave it in a better place than when you can. That's that's all you can try and do. 
Well, you're a key member of the uh, Knots T20 side who've uh, won the blast in 2017 and 2020 and reached the finals day in 2016 and 2019. Why do you think Knots are such a good T20 outfit? Well, I think first and foremost, we've got some very, very good players. Um, I think we do things a lot differently. I don't want to give too much away than, than other sides. Uh, <laughs> our attention to detail on on different facets of the game is, is second to none. Um, and ultimately, I think you know you can go. I think you could, you know, Clark, Hales, Duckett, Moores, Christian, myself, Samit. We've had Imad Wazim. We've got Dan and James Pattinson, uh, Luke Fletcher, Jake Ball. You know, there's, and there's other lads who, who are not even got in yet. Calvin Harrison, who had a breakthrough season last year. You know, you, for instance, someone like uh, Matt Carter, again, you know, the list goes on. People don't see what goes on in the second team. And there's quite easily some lads that I know Hasib Hamid, for instance, and Ben Slater are very keen to to explore the, the white ball and T20 game. And, you know, Ben did really well for us when he came in last year. So I, I think ultimately we've got some very, very good players, but you also know that it's not played on paper, hence the reason we've not won it every year. So I think, you know, we've at the start of the competition, we've got as good a chance as anyone. I think Trent Bridge is a hard place to come and play if, you, if you're not used to playing there. So we've got a very, very good home record. We know that we're going to go for runs, but we, all you have to do is get one more run than the opposition. So we know that, you know, on some days, if the opposition gets 200, that might be 10 under par because the wickets can be so flat. The boundaries are really small. But that's the way we want to play our cricket. And, you know, we have a very simple message. If you're in doubt when you're batting, trying to hit for six. If you're in doubt when you're bowling, try and take a wicket. That's pretty much very simple. Um, you know, we're very lucky that we have the backing of the coaching staff to go out and express ourselves. And of course, last year you played in the first year of the 100. And the good news is you've been kept in the Trent Rockets uh, squad again for 2022. Are you looking forward again to the second year? Do you think the second album can be better than the first? Well, yeah, I, I don't see why not. I, I thought it was an absolutely unbelievable. I obviously missed a couple because I was close contact in COVID, so I missed 10 days of the tournament. But you know, it was amazing to see. You know, I think the, the big aim was to get different people involved in cricket, you know, families, kids, women. Uh, and the women's game was absolutely phenomenal as well. You know, we got, we were lucky. We spent a lot of time with Threat Rockets women, so speaking to them and watching their games. Um, yeah, but the full houses everywhere. Um Obviously, very, very lucky and honoured, uh, privileged to be asked to be retained. And I think it's a chance for people to go and explore different. So, for instance, working with a different coach in Andy Flower and, and playing with different players from different counties. So you might pick up something from them and, and vice versa. They might pick up something from you. But we had a really tight-knit group, actually. And, and, you know, quite a lot. I think 10-plus Root and Milan have been retained. So if we can add some real quality in the, in the draft to, to that squad, I think we've got a real good chance. Well, last year you lost in the the eliminator against the eventual winners. So um, hopefully um, this year you can go a bit further. I hope so. And they've deserved it. They were the best team. They, they hit form at the right time. We actually beat them comfortably the first game. Uh, but they found, found a formula with their quicks that that, um, that won them the tournament. And they're, they're very much outplayed. We didn't play very well at, at the Oval that day. But um, yeah, they, they were the best team. And hopefully, as I said, they'll, they'll be another good team this year. I'm sure they are, as will the other seven teams, including us. You enjoyed the double headers as well. Yeah, that was great fun. Actually, again, watching a different, you get a different perspective of the game. I've, I've actually worked with a few of the women. On, I've coached a little bit with the England women, so kind of seeing how they go about the business and, and how much it means to them. Uh, but yeah, it was great to have some double headers and, and watch them play. And, you know, the lads really got behind 
um, the the Rockets uh, women's team, and and you know we were obviously gutted when they didn't qualify. But you know I'm hoping that they can obviously come back, and we can both give it a real uh, real push to to lift the trophy at large. Well, let's hope so. And, and looking ahead then to 2022 at Trent Bridge, uh, surely promotion to Division One must be the target. It is absolutely the target, and to, and to win the division would be would be the ultimate target. I think um, we've not won a four day trophy for a very long time, so to do that um, would be magnificent. First and foremost, for the fans uh, and and people who support us, especially through the last couple of years, which has been tough, but. Also for the for the team, for the players and, and the staff who've put so much hard work in, but it's a very very long season, so the championship isn't going to be won on the on the you know tenth of tenth um, of April when we finish at Sussex. You know, hopefully we can start well, but as you know, and a lot of people know, it's not played on paper. We've got we've got a great team on paper, but there's a lot of very very good teams and a lot of experienced international crickets. I can reel off, you know, if you look at Middlesex side, Stoneman, Robson. Uh, Roland Jones, Simpson, Murta, Shane Shah, Freedy, Hanscom. You know, if you look at that side, Durham, Lees, Borthwick, um, Peterson, who they've signed, Rushworth, Cast, Stokes might play, Wood, uh, Wood will be at the IPL, luckily, thank God. Um, but you look at the sides um, on, on paper and there's a lot of strong, strong sides, but ultimately the side that will win it will be the one who plays most consistently, gets on a bit of a roll and, and ultimately keeps the best players on the park for long periods of time, which is something that we're very big on. Well, you came third last year in the in the revised competition in Division 1, so you must have been a little bit disappointed not being in Division 1 this season. Yeah, but it is what it is. I know, you know that one of the, be- the biggest compliments I can play to our staff and players is that nobody's moaned about it. Not one person has said we should be in Division 1 or... You know, it was disappointing at the time, but then what are you going to do? You're not going to change it. So nobody's going to... If I go to somebody at the ECB and say this is wrong, they're not going to say, oh, yeah, you're right, we'll, we'll put you in Division 1. Look, we know we know whatever happened last year, we know that we had a good season. And, you know, the conference thing, we knew the, we knew the rules at the start. We started on very much um, at the bottom of that table or next to bottom. And we did really well to come through. And we had a chance of winning the competition. Uh, and we lost at Hampshire. If we'd have won that game, we'd have won the championship. But, you know, there was a reason that if it was a normal season, we had the most points. Um, we had the most batting points. We had the most bowling points. We had the most wins. And if we keep doing that for a long period of time, we'll have a successful few years and that's the end. And, of course, there's hopefully the blast again where you can uh, reach finals day and have a chance of winning that competition. Is, is Dan Christian back again this year? He is, yeah. He's captain again. So looking forward to having him. Obviously, he got pulled out late. Very late notes last year, he got called into the Australian squad. So, and we, we should have won that quarter final, um, obviously. And then if we got to finals day, you never know. But we didn't. So, that's put something we want to put right. Finals day is an unbelievable day to get to Edgebaston. The occasion is just unbelievable. But, you know, look, we, we've got some championship cricket to take care of first. And then we'll worry about Worcester on the, I think it's the 26th of, of May or something like that when we uh, when we start our last campaign. But, yeah, obviously looking forward to the competition and, and hopefully we'll give it a good go again. Well, thank you very much for joining me um, on the Paddock and the Pavilion. I'd better let you get back to uh, training and back with Peter Moores, who you sort of work, it's gone full circle, really, working for him at Lancashire and now back with you at, uh, at Nottinghamshire. Yeah, I'm sure he'll have, uh, he'll have, I think we've got nets in about uh, 20 minutes. So, yeah, he'll have something up his sleeve, I'm sure, to keep everyone on the tours. Friday is, um, you know, the last day of the week for us to, to work hard and then enjoy our weekend. So, yeah, obviously, I, I love working with him and, and so does everybody else. So we're, um, 
yeah, we're just looking forward to first and foremost putting on a good show for our fans, but ultimately enjoying ourselves. Well, thank you very much for joining me. Cheers, anytime. Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. You can download the show on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Pad and Pav. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Sports Social Podcast Network.